very much notifying and signifying and keeping mental notes of where all these things were so that when I, you know, got the shovel or got the watering can, I could go back and explore these things farther. You sound like you've been traumatized by 1990s adventure games too much. (laughs) (laughs) It's very possible. Hello, this is Pixelated Playgrounds, a monthly gaming book club podcast discussing the art and craft of video games. I'm Brian Skersha. I'm Josh Galecki. And today we're talking about A Short Hike, an indie video game developed by Canadian designer Adam Robinson Yu and released on July 30th, 2019 for Windows, Mac OS, and Linux. I called this game out on my 2019 Goatee list as a cool little game that... Um, I really enjoyed playing. I think it was an honorable mention for me. I recently took a look at Brian's list and I said, ah, I should try some of these out too. So picked it up myself and had a great time playing it. This is a, um, a really chill game. Um, it was originally released as a humble monthly bundle program game in April of 2019, but it eventually did get a, a full commercial release shortly after that, uh, as I mentioned in July. And it has an interesting development history because uh, the main designer, Adam, uh, initially sort of put his major project that he had, a sort of untitled RPG that you can actually still see the beginnings of on itch, uh, on hold in favor of this prototype, which uh, ultimately became a short hike. Quick question, though. What's that Humble Monthly program? That's Humble Bundle, I assume? Yeah, it's uh, Humble has started working as sort of a publisher in recent years, and so this was them sort of providing funding to him uh, to develop this program, and then they also do a bit of, uh, you know, the, the typical marketing publishing work as well. Um, but yeah, I don't know a ton about the Humble Monthly program, but suffice it to say, I think like for a little while it's exclusive to Humble uh, for the purposes of that, and then eventually it gets a, a more full commercial release as it releases, uh, you know, across Steam and Itch and all of your other platforms du jour. All right, I gotcha. Well, he got some funding for this game, and I hear he took only three months to complete it, which woo, puts me to shame right there. <laughs> well, it, it, to be fair, he it seems like. Uh, Adam has quite a, a solid workflow for his uh, game development. I watched a uh, GDC talk by him about the production of the game, and in, in 30 minutes, he pretty much explains going through from, you know, picking this up or deciding to do this prototype through the release. And he talks all about how uh, his workflow works and what uh, tools he developed in order to get this done. But the thing that stuck out to me is that he... Uh, is extremely fastidious about estimating every task down to the point of re-estimating tasks at the start of every day when he's about to take them on. Um, huh. So he's just sort of a super planner, it sounds like. Yeah, that, you need that in game dev. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so on top of that, uh, actually the only thing he didn't really touch on in that was uh, his partner the in, the in this game, the composer, Mark Sparling, uh, who wrote the soundtrack to this game. And uh, I'm sure we'll touch on it a bit more later, but it is a, a wonderful little soundtrack. It's uh, really relaxing and uh, uh, has a, a wonderful palette for the type of world that you're going through. And this was a very well-loved world, too. This game ended up winning the Independent Games Festival Seamus McNally Grand Prize in 2020. Also picked up the Audience Award that same year. Some solid accolades. Um, and 
you know, it deserved them to, to my point. I mean, this is a, a great little indie game. And, uh, you know, I, this was my second time through playing it uh, for the purposes of this recording. And I enjoyed it just as much, if not more, on the second time through. Uh, it's just such a fun world to visit. Uh, it's so frictionless in the way that you are able to, you know, move through it and enjoy it and pick up the little flavor and, um, you know, fun and charm of, of its various, you know, locales and residences. Mm-hmm. So let's uh, take a quick 2,000-foot view of the game. Uh, in this, this game, you play as Claire. She's a bird stuck in the wilderness, dragged along there by her aunt, and she needs some cell phone reception. So she's told to climb to the top of the mountain if she re- really wants to make contact with the modern world outside. That's right. And, you know, you are, uh, your little bird, as Josh mentioned, and your other people on the island are various other little animals, too. There's frogs and turtles, and they're all sort of anthropomorphized um, in such a way that, like, they're talking to you and they're vaguely humanoid in shape. Uh, it's basically like Celeste meets Animal Crossing, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Definitely a mountain climbing sort of game, like Celeste is, but not so much of a platformer. More of an exploration game. Absolutely. No real puzzles or conflicts. The focus is on the exploration. It's a game you can relax to, not a game that's going to want to make you break your controller. (laughs) It's, you know, a short hike. It's a small little trip through the wilderness. It's not supposed to be a grilling climb up Everest. Exactly. Um, So to that point, like the, the main, I guess, the main thing that hit me as soon as uh, I booted this game up is uh, the island itself. Uh, it's this beautiful sort of mountain at the center of it island uh, with lots of sort of cool things on the periphery uh, from caves to a lighthouse to an observatory to hot springs, a fishing hole. Uh, there's a, a lot of interesting stuff for you to see and little creatures there for you to interact with while you're seeing them. Little games you can play too. There's a, of course, there's a fishing mini game. Uh, you can run little tasks and errands for the inhabitants of the islands. There's a kind of an unstructured quest system. It's not like you can open up your quest journal and it tells you what you need to do where. But uh, you pick up items. You can bring them to different people. But I think the the bulk of the game or the best thing that the game does is its exploration you're going through this island and there's tiny little not quite rooms that you know this is a mountain so it doesn't have rooms but there's biomes areas not even biomes it's too small for that but tiny little areas where you can just go and explore and see shit and i will say this game looks fantastic yeah they have a really cool uh visual style going on here where um, it's heavily pixelated, but with sort of lo-fi polygons, and as you said, it's absolutely gorgeous. Uh, Adam, in his interview, or rather in his talk, mentioned that the lo-fi aesthetic allowed him to create a lot more characters as a small team, and it, it also du- dual purposes into forcing the player to sort of fill in the details on, uh, on those characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's one of the things is... With the lower resolution art, whether you're talking about 3D models or um, 2D sprites, the lower the resolution, the more the player, um, the more the player has to use their imagination and fill in the details. And if you have good pixel artwork or good uh, lo-fi models, then you'll imply a lot of things that the player will fill in the gaps on. An interesting aspect of this to me is that this game took. 
what is normally uh, a deadly combo is it is a fully isometric view of the the world that you're looking at you don't really get control of the camera it, it, it's sort of taken from you and put in various views in an isometric fashion and there's a lot of elevation change and it's a platformer so that combination to me normally says i'm going to be missing a lot of jumps here hmm. um but whether it's just because the terrain is super readable or because uh, the mechanics are fairly forgiving i never really found myself missing jumps i didn't really find it to be much of an issue and it also sort of made it into sort of this beautiful diorama that I was making my way through uh, where I didn't have to really worry about the camera because it was always in the right place. I think there's three things that make it very forgiving, especially relates to platforming when you're not in control of the camera angle. First thing, the island is centered around a mountain. So even though it is 3D, for a lot of the things you're kind of going around to the left or to the right side. Um, not really to a noticeable degree, like there's plenty of parts where it's not just going around the mountain cylinder, so to speak, but enough so that the player can kind of read it as more of a 2D environment. I think two other things that help are there are a lot, there's a lot of readability as to what you can jump to, what you can't, and even the things you can't necessarily jump to, you can still hang on to those walls. Um, so it's not like a mistake is going to make you necessarily fall down to the bottom of the mountain again. That's and then, right. of course, there's a the glide mechanic, too, which makes the jumps much more forgiving. Yeah, before we move on to, to those mechanics, I did want to just mention that the color palette in this game is gorgeous and... Um, it's actually taken from real photos of nature. Uh, <laughs> a really interesting sort of piece of trivia that I, I heard was that Adam basically took uh, photos of nature, sampled the color palette from within them, and then applied those uh, colors directly into the game to sort of make them feel, uh, for lack of a better word, you know, realistic, but in a very stylized fashion. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's very interesting. I'm going to have to listen to that talk. Yeah, I'll send it your way, and I'll link it in the description. It's uh, it's very good, and it's it's short for a GDC talk, which I appreciate. <laughs> we all like the short talks. Yep. Uh, but yeah, you were going into the, the mechanics of this game, and the mechanics of a short hike are dictated by golden feathers. Uh, you find them, you earn them, you buy them, and they basically... Uh, do double duty as your flapping power for you know double jumping or triple jumping etc and your climbing juice uh, for hanging onto walls and climbing up them a la legend of zelda breath of the wild mm -hmm. and this game very much like breath of the wild was a very open sort of thing it wasn't like there was just one way up the mountain especially if you had collected a lot of golden feathers it was often a reward for finish finishing a quest or talking to a stranger or things like that they'd give you a golden feather which would expand your mobility quite a bit you'd be able to climb farther or fly higher more often than not i i seem to find them just in random nooks and crannies across um the island and i think for a game like this like a platformer and i should have mentioned this in our odyssey talk but in a platformer for me the the nooks and crannies uh are directly in proportion to how much enjoyment i have of a given level uh, mm -hmm. sort of exploring off the beaten path places in a an open platforming setting for me is like what makes these things fun i just like sort of poking around in a space that i enjoy being in and this game scratched that itch in a big way for me Speaking to that, uh, the nooks and crannies, there's a kind of um, a rule in game dev 
uh, if you go on to like people making their first uh, game maker or RPG maker RPG or whatnot, um, that people tend to make a lot of kind of big empty spaces. Uh, so the basic rule is if you got a tile set, do something new every three tiles. And at first you think like, oh, that's way too much. You know, that's uh, I got to spread out my kind of creative ideas a little farther. But really, um, if it's if you don't have that kind of density of things, of nooks and crannies, if you will, then the game world feels a lot more empty. It feels a lot less uh, realistic in a way or a lot less interesting because there's so much space between the interesting things. This game does a good job of kind of just like there's all this amazing stuff to explore and none of it is really far away from each other. There's not a lot of time spent really backtracking or even trekking through a boring part of the game, which I can't really remember one. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that completely. And it also explains why there's 900 Korok seeds in Breath of the Wild. <laughs> um, <laughs> but that's uh, that's interesting. I, I always I felt like that as well, where there wasn't really like an unused space where there wasn't either an interesting thing or character or secret or collectible of some sort. And um, this game is also fairly forgiving in how much of that you actually had to do, uh, given the fact that you really required only seven feathers to beat this game. And I think I ended my second playthrough that I just did with 14. I actually experienced this game twice um before i played this uh my wife juliana played this and i watched her for the first hour or so that she went through it and i kind of noticed a big difference between the ways we played the game this game does a very good job teaching you what to do the ui is fairly minimalistic there's not a lot of like health bars or altitude meters or anything like that to read and the inventory system could actually be ignored the entire time you're in the game it's not necessary to get to the top you're given the goal climb to the top of the mountain and you set off on that goal one of the things i've noticed uh while watching her play and then playing the game myself uh but there were certain things that I kind of picked up on because I play far too many video games and, you know, Juliana, <laughs> she knows her way around Pokemon and a lot of other games too, but doesn't spend as, hasn't spent as many hours in video games as I have. Sure. But I would notice things like, oh, there's a, there's a hole in the ground over here and I've seen, that's the third time I've seen that. I bet I can go back to it. So I noticed myself kind of noticing these things to go back to, whereas she didn't notice that um she didn't see like oh here's these flowers that are repeating they must be significant i was assigning more significance to it and i almost feel like she got the better experience of the game than i did not in a way that like i didn't enjoy this game at all but that she took it as like oh here's this video game i'm walking around i'm climbing the mountain cool that's what i'm doing but like i was very much notifying and signifying and keeping mental notes of where all these things were so that when I, you know, got the shovel or got the watering can, I could go back and explore these things farther. You sound like you've been traumatized by 1990s adventure games too much. <laughs> it's very possible. It's very possible. You know, it, it, I definitely had fun with it, but I almost feel like she got the more pure experience of it because she was just inside of it instead of looking for the way to connect the dots. 
Yeah, I think that makes sense. Like, the game is very subtle with how it steers players via paths and, uh, you know, it, it uh, inclines and things like that. And, you know, at certain points you will reach a limit in a given area and, you know, you're up at the, the top of where you can get with your current number of feathers and then you can glide down to areas you didn't see before and just explore, right? The game does a, a good job of encouraging you not only to climb, but to explore laterally. Um, so there's always like a treat waiting you when you do that. If you're not, you know, on the treasure hunt for all of the various interactables in the, the game's visual design language, uh, you just kind of get to enjoy that ride. And uh, I, I hear you, like disconnecting yourself as a player from wanting to make sure you see all the things um, can be tricky. And, you know, I don't think, like you said, this game suffered because um, we're experienced video gamers. I think to that end, like, it just allowed us another avenue to interact with it. Like, I know what you were talking about with those flowers, and I don't know if you did this, but you got, you can get a watering can that lets you turn them, if you have water, into sort of a bouncy flower that will propel you into the air, creating shortcuts across the map. And I liked how they did that, because when you put water in your bucket, you couldn't fly, so it was almost sometimes like a little navigation puzzle of how to get from the water to the flower. Yep, it's really neat. Like, this game sort of allowed you to interact with the complexities of its various, um, you know, design elements as much as you wanted to, right? It's perfectly possible to make your way up this mountain with uh, bare minimum seven feathers and never really interacting with a lot of the nooks and crannies or activities or side quests or puzzles. Um, but, you know, if you want to do that, it's all there. And it's good to have a game that's a playground. Um that's the Mario design philosophy, right? Um, it's that you can create a set of rules and a set of tools and enjoy the interactions that come from them to the extent that you want to. I, I always think player choice is a good thing, like prescribed experiences. It, there's a fine line between where that is uh, useful and where it is annoying and a pain in the ass and painful. But, you know, I guess being a, a game designer is um, being the guy who draws that line, right? And what you draw is sometimes going to resonate with players and uh, sometimes it's not. And, you know, that's the, them's the breaks, I guess. <laughs> I do like that this game had a kind of selectable difficulty level. Like, you could make the game more challenging if you wanted to doing some of these side quests um but it wasn't like you were selecting at the beginning of the game whether you want the easy medium or hard experience um it's more like the activities you choose to pursue have can have different levels of difficulty and inside the game inside the universe you're deciding how much of that you would like to have yep agree um and to that extent like Usually you're rewarded um, with either uh, a new interaction from a very, you know, something in the environment or maybe an interaction with a character. Uh, and I think some of the most rewarding uh, little side things in this game came from interacting with the various residents of the, the mountain and getting the writing that uh, Adam put into the game. Uh, it is just super charming. Uh, like, are you feeling lost and directionless? And then the guy hands you a compass. It's just like all these funny little tongue-in-cheek jokes and then sort of really touching little stories. Like, 
Uh, did you happen to interact with the rabbit who lost his headband? Oh yeah, yeah. And the um, this rabbit is about to run a marathon, and she just lost her lucky headband. So she asks you to go find it in the woods, and you can't find the headband, but you can come across a turtle who is also running the marathon. And he's like, oh, you know, I haven't seen one, but here, you can have this one. Maybe she mm-hmm. won't know the difference. And you're like, oh, whatever. <laughs> and the rabbit, of course, notices a difference, but she's like, that was Timmy the turtle. He's a local legend around here. <laughs> yeah, this- for running marathons, which is <laughs> <Just> hilarious. <laughs> Yeah, the the game has all kinds of little stuff like that. And, and it has a nice little moral to that story, because what comes from that is uh, the rabbit eventually learning that they didn't need their lucky headband to uh, be a successful and rising star in the, the running marathon scene. Uh, the talent was inside them all along. So oh, really? there's fun little, yeah, fun little things like that. If you see that story to its conclusion, I pieced out once I got the running shoes. <laughs> well, you robbed yourself of a, a heartwarming tale of... Uh, <laughs> personal growth there josh (laughs) i gotcha i gotcha yeah and it's interesting because i I feel like there's actually a little bit of personal growth with uh claire the uh the main protagonist bird as well you know she had holed herself up in a cabin for most of the day uh which reasons you'll find out for later but you know if you're coming to the game with fresh eyes you could get the impression that she was like a bit of a you know bratty teen or you know uh, something like that but that's definitely how the game starts off with her she's kind of like they're in the car ride to the vacation and she's like whatever and then she's on this beautiful island and she hasn't even bothered to get out of the cabin all day um and it definitely introduces her or plays to the stereotype of the teen stuck on the phone right yeah that that's true unable to disconnect from her electronics or something but as soon as you start to see claire interacting with the other residents of the island you know all doubt i had that she was like a maladjusted teen melted away because you know she was kind and clever and uh, always willing to help people out so i uh or maybe that's just the way i played her i don't know (laughs) but um short hike role-playing game (laughs) first heard it here first folks but yeah that that especially sort of comes through in um, how the story eventually ends which we'll we'll talk about in a bit but before we get to that um, as you're going across the island and talking to the residents and such there are uh, several items you can pick up which as josh mentioned earlier you can totally ignore if you want to right i mean from coins that you can use to either buy additional feathers or a hat or uh, a little sand shovel that you can trade for a real shovel that'll let you dig up more coins um, to the watering shoes and the running or watering can and the running shoes that we mentioned earlier. Yeah, there's a lot of different ways that you can interact with the world over here. And I did like that all of these were, you know, completely side quest. Uh, they were not things you needed to do to advance in the game at all. It wasn't like your link going through the dungeon to get the hook shot so that you can navigate to the next part of the world or navigate to the boss these were just things you could do or you could not and i think it played very well to the sandbox nature of the game i agree and i think to the to the point that we keep saying side quests but to the extent to which this game does sort of implicitly tell you to accomplish certain tasks it almost always calls itself on that um like the time this uh stuck out to me was when you were collecting seashells for the the kid on the beach and you come back to him with 15 seashells after hunting all over the island for him and he you know you're clearly expecting a reward and he's like what i, I don't have anything for you 
Um, <laughs> I've got a new you, job you, for you. <laughs> yeah, you get the satisfaction of a job well done. Now you can take on another job, side hustle, if you will. And uh, you're like, uh, all right. And then you take uh, the necklace he made out of the she sells, seashells back to your aunt. And then she says, oh, by the way, I happen to find something in the house. You might need this. Uh, and mm-hmm. it's a golden feather. And your character is immediately like, did, did you give this to me as a result of me giving you that necklace? And she's like, no, why would you think that? <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, it's so goofy. Uh, but it, it calls itself on sort of video game logic and how silly it can sometimes be in transactional where, you know, sometimes it doesn't work like that in the real world. Absolutely. The game really does have a good sense of humor to it. I think that's a that's a big part of the charm of it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And uh, the other half of that charm, or the another chunk of that charm, is in the score, which, you know, there's not a ton of tracks in this game, given its total runtime is about an hour, but... Um, Mark Sparling's soundtrack is, you know, it's pastoral, it's calming. It reminded me of, like, the chill parts of the Celeste soundtrack, but with a wider instrumental palette. Hmm. That's funny, because when I think of this game, I'm thinking chiefly of the piano playing. Um, you might have listened to more of the soundtrack or listened more closely to me, but uh, to me, the strength of the soundtrack, particularly the, particularly the piano part, was in its simplicity. Uh, it was not a very complicated thing. There weren't like, you know, your minor seventh diminished augmented chords rolling left and right. Um, but it wasn't... It, it was simple in a good way, though. Not like simple being boring, but um, the hard kind of simple. I agree. You know, it's uh, it, it's by and large a very major and uplifting soundtrack. Uh, you know, it gets a little foreboding near the top of the mountain, but you or know, in this the graveyard. Is, yeah, this is a soundtrack I'd be happy to re-listen to as sort of background music while you know doing some work or something like that. It is, uh, it's by and large very like relaxing. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Agreed. But as we were saying, uh, as you make your way towards the top of the mountain and things become a little more foreboding, you do get a sort of a final reveal. Uh, and this pretty chill, relaxing game manages to pull a little twist on what um, the purpose of your getting to the top of the mountain for cell phone reception was all about. Mm-hmm. Turns out it's not just to check the Facebooks on your phone when you get to the top of there. You get a phone call at the top and your mom calls you um, and she apparently had a medical procedure done that day or a test that resulted and she everything was okay but claire was very worried about it yeah it's a sort of sort of harsh snapback to reality you know from claire's reaction it sounds like this was a pretty big deal even though her mom was clearly downplaying the severity of the situation it sort of like reminds the player that you know Everything isn't just sunshine, rainbows on a beautiful mountain island, but the subject of death and health concerns are very real, and they affect our loved ones. It's uh, surprisingly poignant after such an like unrelentingly upbeat game. Uh, I don't know if I'd call the game unrelentingly upbeat. Um, it wasn't Pollyanna by any means. Not that you really came across any conflict. Maybe that's just me taking a look at it after I know about the phone call at the top of the mountain, though. That's fair. Yeah, maybe maybe it's just sort of speaks to the fact that uh, problems are lurking beneath the surface um, uh, for for many people, right? Like it was lurking beneath the surface for the the rabbit character. It's lurking beneath the surface for Claire, and uh, I guess it's sort of a reminder that 
uh, as you grow up, reality starts to set in, and, uh, you know, everything isn't always uh, easy. I think it speaks a little to the game as a sort of escapist sort of thing, uh, and video games in general. Uh, This game, I feel, was kind of trying to model that a little bit with its idea of climbing this mountain, going through this beautiful nature park. And it's not exactly dangerous, but it's not exactly not either. There's a conversation Claire has with her aunt near the beginning about that. Um, And Claire goes through, and I think she does have a lot of personal growth on her journey up the mountain. Her one-hour journey up the mountain. (laughs) The journey, the short hike up the mountain. Yeah. Um, But even when you're done with that, there's still the real world awaiting you at the end of it. Uh, The medical conversation she has with her mom, or to the extent that it's a medical conversation, uh, the reminders of the real world coming back, and that's actually why she went on the journey, was to be able to call her mom and find out those results, what those results were. That's true, um, but there is also sort of a bit of a reward reaped for uh, the struggle up the mountain to, to find out that information, uh, which comes immediately after that phone call, which is the unabashedly joyful glide back to the bottom of the mountain. Oh, it's beautiful. The gliding and flying mechanics in this game are top-notch, and after you have the phone call, you can jump off over the hot springs right below you. It'll send you on an updraft, and you get to just glide back down to the bottom. And there's some triumphant music swelling behind you. Great moment. Yeah, it really is. It's sort of just, uh, as you're sort of flying past all the obstacles that you had just spent the last, you know, slightly over an hour uh, traversing, uh, it just was a pretty neat little uh, dismount that the game pulls here, where, you know, it's a nice recap of all the things you've done. It shows uh, how far you've come, and then you land at the bottom, you you know, get congratulated by your aunt. Uh, She, you know, commiserates with you about uh, your mother being a tough old bird, and uh, roll credits. Hmm. Yeah, very good. Great ending. Stuck the landing. Absolutely. Uh, That would be a good three-word review. So why don't we go into some three-word reviews? Uh, Mine is a good hang. Uh, A short hike is a fun little world to hang out in. Uh, For me, the beauty of the island, the charm of its residents, and the game feel of climbing and gliding uh, really made me feel relaxed. Uh, The reveal at the end solidified this for me as an understatedly emotional and touching experience as well. This is a definite thumbs up for me. Having already played it twice, I can see myself going back, strangely. The controls in this game were great. Uh, It was just a lot of fun to explore things, you know. I could definitely see myself coming back to this too. Thumbs up from me. My three words are a beautiful escape. The game is gorgeous. The soundtrack is gorgeous. They all work very well together. 
it's fun to explore the island. It's fun going up the mountain um, and just a very beautiful experience. But it's also that kind of undertone of escape and you you have these problems you're coming back to and you'll, you'll get to them eventually. You might be able to take some time out to smell the roses over here, but you still have the real world to deal with. I think that ending for me was a very important part of the game. Uh, kind of re-characterized everything that had been done before. But all in all, great experience. Check this game out. Agreed. Uh, and in the spirit of recommending fun indie games, I think you know Josh and I are going to try and play more of these games. Hopefully you'll hear more from us talking about cool indies, maybe some lesser known ones as well. And um, for us here at Pixelated Playgrounds, I'm Brian Skersha. I'm Josh Galecki. Take care and stick the landing. God, that is such a good three-word review. I cannot believe I didn't think of that. Stuck Stick the, the landing. Land. Stuck the la- I mean, <laughs> the ending was great, but I feel like this game was more than the ending. Yeah, Unlike yeah, Brothers. Right. Brothers was like all about the ending. That's a good point. And weirdly, they're kind of similar in that it's just uh, about making your way to a destination. You know, it's a, it's a very much a, a journey game. We talked a little bit about Claire growing during this whole experience, and I've been thinking about why we think that happened, and I think the reason I think that that I feel that she grew during the hike up the mountain was not only that she stayed in the cabin all day beforehand for understandable reasons, because she didn't know she couldn't get cell phone reception there, but also you hear her Aunt May say that oh, you know, me and your mom used to climb up to the peak all the time when she finds out that Claire has never done the peak climb before. So this is the first time that Claire had made it up the mountain, and I almost saw it as a sort of coming-of-age slash rite of passage for her. This is something all of her family has done, or maybe not all of her family, but at least her aunt and her mom have done. And this was the first time she did that. So I saw that as kind of like a step forward for her. Sure. Yeah, I think there's something about like going through experiences that are common to your to your family that can bring you closer to them. Um, so I, I totally get that read. Um, I think the the growth is sort of more in the context that's set around it. Like, I don't feel like Claire is a completely different person from when you set off from the beach to when you receive a phone call on the mountaintop. But you're uh, a world of difference in terms of character growth compared to the teen who is not enthusiastic about being in a beautiful island park to the one that's experiencing the northern lights you know it's i guess it, to me the, the growth sort of happened in in the framing and not so much in the actual game itself yeah i'd say there's something there i mean this wasn't a game like celeste where it took the main character's personal demons and made them quite literal as something to grow through um i think at the same time though yes claire wasn't a moody teen 
because she had this thing she was worried about. But also she, if she hadn't done that climb before, it's very heavily implied she's been to that island before but hadn't done the climb. To me, that was something.